Welcome to the Innovation and in Government Show, sponsored by Kerasoft. Each month, we'll talk with industry experts who enable innovation and make government more responsive and secure by advancing key technologies. Now, here's your host, Jason Miller. Welcome to the discussion. My guest today is Matt Mandrock, the head of U.S. public sector at Zoom. Matt, welcome to the discussion today. Jason, thank you for having me. Let me set just a little context for our conversation. Many agencies prided themselves as hubs of collaboration. The open office surge in the early 2010s, we remember that. The use of things like industry days to bring vendors and federal buying officials together. These are but just two examples of what agencies thought was impactful collaboration. Then the COVID-19 pandemic struck and we all entered a new cultural norm when it came to collaboration and communication. Agencies and companies quickly adapted to video communications for staff meetings, for industry days, and providing even telehealth services. Without a doubt, the pandemic's impact on the way agencies communicate internally and externally will be felt for decades. The ease and comfort at which agencies moved to this new online-only approach was both surprising and really a precursor for the future. Agencies found employees were more satisfied and more productive. Citizens found it easier, in most cases, to work with federal offices. And the security of the data and communications was shown to be as rigorous as in-person events. So as we come out of the pandemic, agencies must figure out how to prosper in this hybrid world where communication and collaboration will be both in-person and online. For some of the ways agencies can succeed in this hybrid work environment, we turn to Matt Madrock, the head of U.S. public sector at Zoom. Matt, I know we're all a little tired of talking about the pandemic and, and the impact it's had, but as, as I mentioned, as we come out of the pandemic, that's really why we're starting to talk about what changes will be lasting. And I think over the last year, we've seen definitely an embracement of change. What are some of your thoughts? What have you seen from your clients from in the public and private sector about this change when it comes to you know, communication, collaboration, work environment, and, and the like? Great question, Jason. You know, a couple just quick thoughts on the pandemic timeframe. Really, the two things that happened out there were one is we had to send everybody home immediately. And right now, in this, in this same timeframe, we're actually figuring out how do we send people back to work in different environments? You're seeing places that started to open up and close back down because of pandemics and having solutions out there. Um, three things, though, I think that, that got brought to light in this pandemic uh, was one, uh, incumbent solutions uh, were out there that were not scalable to going into a telework environment. Um, the second is work culture changed. So people have the culture of getting in their cars, going to the office, being able to work, come back, get on the road. Now they had to work in an environment from home with potentially kids or others around uh, and going through that cultural change and people accepting the fact that they had employees at home and working. And the third is cloud solutions like Zoom catapulted the way this new way of working that people had. Now people talk about people process technology. The th fourth component to that is really culture. And you're starting to see this evolution of how governments looking embracing this is around people centric workplace. Uh, it's not around the workplace is just in an office. That workplace can be anywhere that individual may be. And they're putting in the policies, procedures, and such to actually adapt to that. You bring up the three areas that we, you saw maybe some of the change that happened. Let me look at the work culture piece, because I think that's the, the area that I really focused on in my intro, where we, we agencies thought they were a hub of collaboration. They thought they were doing things that were working well, and it's not that they weren't, but the pandemic really forced them to relook at, at, at all of these things, but specifically that culture piece. Is that culture piece something that surprised you the most? We knew what cloud was, we knew 
maybe some incumbent solutions, you know, had some limitations, but really was that culture piece what surprised you the most? It was, uh, I, I think you knew at one point in solutions that weren't scalable, were not going to work. That's pretty simple. You knew cloud was going to be a, a, a catapulting things going forward, but the work culture was accepting the fact that I'm sending my employees home. I can't monitor their working if that's what they were, what we're doing. Uh, being able to give them, the, provide them the tools they needed to be productive, who want to be able to work from home. And that work culture changed. We started to see people getting time back in their lives. You know, if you're commuting, if I'm uh, commuting an hour and I go into the office, I work and I commute an hour back home, I'm now getting time back on, on there and I can be just as productive. People felt like uh, in areas where they were working from home, while they had back-to-back -back meetings potentially uh, around what they were doing, they were actually becoming very, very productive and scaling how they did meetings. Uh, we had a discussion in a previous uh, a panel where I talked about the 15, 30, 45, and 60 minute meetings, 15 minutes for short decision-making, 30 to make sure that you have a little time to understand something decisions and, and scaling your meeting schedule around that so you can actually get more done during that timeframe. I think people started to embrace, especially the, in the workplace and the agencies, how do they fit this new work culture into their policies, procedures, and their recruiting? Being able to go out and get the strong talent uh, that they need out there and give them the platform to do this. If you look out there, 65% of people have said they want to be able to have some type of work from home and hybrid environment. And the government to be able and government agencies to be able to recruit people to come work, work there needs to adapt. And we saw this work uh, culture change and adapting. And, and it's an evolving thing, Jason, that they're working through right now. The other thing we all lose sight of is when you go to meetings, if you're on, if you're doing it from online video teleconferencing, right, you are not getting up and having to walk to someone's office or go into a conference room, you just shut off one uh, launch and launch another one. And, and that actually saves a ton of time. And, and it's, 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 people started to enjoy that because they got time back in their day. And I think that that's part of that culture change that, that you, you bring up. Yeah, I think the culture change, Jason, is really around you know, how are they going to work differently? Some people may say, I'm going to use Thursdays as my remote day to do all of my meetings and they scale a whole bunch of meetings back to back. Um, but you also think about for all the people who support the government. So if let's say, for instance, I'm going downtown to a meeting, I drive down, it takes me 40 minutes. I have to park, pay to park, I have to get to the meeting. All of a sudden it's a half hour meeting and the individual who I'm meeting with has to walk across the building. So we lost 12, 14 minutes in that meeting and they have another one that's back to back. So now you're starting to see that the government agencies are actually, and individuals in the government are actually getting more productive and understanding things and spending the time understanding what's going on versus having to move back and forth. And now they're evolving that into what, do, how does that fit into the work culture? How do they accept this? And how do they start to manage the new way of change on how they do meetings and interactions going forward. I have to say, I do miss going downtown to events or going to events at hotels, but the commute there, the waking up at, you know, 6.30 to get out the door by seven to get to a 7.30 breakfast, that's kind of nicer to roll out, uh, upstairs and put on the computer and I'm ready to go. There's been a lot of cultural change that has led to some of this innovation too. What, some of the, what are some examples of innovation you've seen across government over the last year and a half or so? Well, it's been pretty amazing. I think during this, uh, unfortunate pandemic, we watched a, a presidential inauguration take place. And we saw so many people using Zoom and getting out in front of constituents and messaging out, you know, from the different groups, you know, 
how they tried to get out there and talk to them. But then you start to see now, uh, you know, a president being inaugurated, doing his inauguration speech over a Zoom for government via platform that he could be in front of many people on screens. So secretaries being sworn in via Zoom for government. Uh, we watch CDC provide updates daily on the pandemic and vaccine, uh, uh, vaccine to 20,000 plus. So this became the, some of the most important information that was going out there. Um, we talked a little bit about um, the people and the working from home. Uh, we had one agency that sent everybody home. And what they found was their employees with a very skilled set were so productive that they were, uh, that they thought, hey, how do we leave them and let them work from home as they're just as productive? What was more important to them was how did they go out and recruit? And this was a very special skill set that they needed. So instead of having to be in the DC metro area, maybe I'll hire somebody from Raleigh, from Austin, from Denver, from Colorado, uh, uh, California, all of those pieces out there, and they have that skill set and they don't have to be there, but they're providing them the productivity tools to actually do that. Uh, we saw FEMA's doing a lot of work out there uh, in the field using Zoom to get the messaging out to actually work along with the different first responders uh, to get information. And we started to talk, we talked a little about recruiting, just bringing employees in uh, to the government. But think of the military service, you know, at that point in time, you know, recruiting became a big piece of what they needed to do during this pandemic. And as they're going forward, but what they found when the you know, Air Force was recognized uh, for using Zoom for government in their recruiting by military.com in an article uh, back even as far as last April. And what they found was they're getting out in front of more people. So if I have to recruit and I drive multiple hours to go meet with somebody, I'm not sure if they're going to sign on or not. But now they're using a technology that they've, been, that they've embraced in their personal, uh, you know, the personal fabric of their lives. They may have had birthdays, other things around that they're comfortable with that they see it as innovative technology. So now they can go out and expand the recruiting. And they saw their numbers actually uh, increase when they were going across there. Um, you look at courts and corrections, uh, U.S. courts and state courts are going through and, and actually doing different, um, utilizing Zoom. And where they've done this is how to keep these dockets moving along. Now you're starting to see the courts looking at these things around uh, how do we take our most critical cases and put people maybe in a courtroom and the non-critical cases that they can use, utilize a remote technology solution to actually do that. And you think of corrections, people think, okay, great. How would I use a Zoom with corrections? Well, if you have an, uh, uh, a high risk uh, individual and a county or state has to transport that individual to a location, that costs money. And it also is a safety risk to those individuals. Now they can utilize our technology to actually do this, be able to have that prevent one, a cost, a cost savings or, or to in, in, uh, integrate a, a cost savings to them but also at the same time be able to um, take that information and uh, uh, the information they get and protect the, the other uh, people in the actual courtrooms. And in the last, I'll kind of share, I kind of shared around the, the, the drones where a, a local um, uh, police force was using drones on, on the beach and then be able to go out and integrate, you know, technologies like Zoom into it, like see, they see the camera and integrate that into share and uh, open up to a desktop to share with others as they're doing, say, a search and rescue. So you think about what's going on in the government, but you kind of made a point here, Jason, earlier around, you know, hey, I, I, I have to go to a meeting, I have to get you know, to an event and go get dressed up. 
Well, there, the event companies saw this uh, pandemic as, as potentially catastrophic uh, to their businesses. And we've seen some of them that we've helped along the way who are actually have grown their business during this time frame without even having any in person. They've, they've gotten innovative around approaching agencies to do uh, industry days for them, uh, sponsorships, being able to touch more people in that organization before maybe only X amount of people could come and travel, you know, let's say sometimes government travel. Here, you can touch many people. We had one, we had almost 400 people from, a, from one agency just on, one, on, a, on a technology that uh, one of the um, uh, event organizations used. And, and, and talking to the CEO of that organization, he talked about how it changed the course, even when they start to go back, which they want to do. But now they're doing award, they're doing government awards and other things across there. So everybody has had to kind of turn in that special net, those groups turn from the fact of how was I going to keep my business alive to how they've grown it and how they're going to start to look at things differently as they move forward. The Navy was famously, I think the head of acquisition at the Navy famously said, I will never do in-person industry days ever again because they love the online version so much. And, and I think you're absolutely right. They're drawing people that would normally not be able to go or couldn't afford to go because it's going to cost money to fly to place X, whether it's DC or somewhere else to participate. So I think those are all really good examples of some of that innovation that has popped up. Now, now the big question we're going to go forward with is, will it last and how will it last? And uh, that's how we're going to do when we after this break. So we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the discussion, Innovation in Government, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Network. Across the virtual halls of government, federal employees trust Zoom for government communications and collaboration and to engage with the public in serving their mission. Zoom for government with ATOs across the federal spectrum is U.S.-based using the AWS GovCloud and two co-located data centers. Zoom has authorizations and attestations with FedRAMP, DOD's impact level classification, FIPS 140 cryptography, and supports over 300 NIST controls. Learn more at karasoft.com Zoom. Welcome back. You're listening to the discussion Innovation in Government, sponsored by Karasoft on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Matt Madrock the head of US public sector for Zoom. Matt, before break, you gave a lot of great examples of some how agencies were actually being innovative. You mentioned Air Force using recruiting. You mentioned FEMA doing a lot of work in the field. And then obviously the courts cases and critical versus maybe non-critical and what has to be in person and what can be done through uh, Zoom and, and, and video teleconferencing. The other piece to this that I'd like you to address is the citizen services side. I think that also got a huge boost during the pandemic because all of a sudden people couldn't go in person to a social security office. You couldn't go to a uh, farmers and, and, and USDA and get a loan in person. Everything had to be done online. And I think they found that much easier too, for the same reasons, you don't have to leave your house. It, it, appointments were easier to get. What did you see from a citizen services, citizen, citizen engagement perspective? A great question, Jason. So around citizen engagement, a couple of different things, you know, we saw as not just the federal, but state and local governments also transitioning in. We saw hearings that were occurring and typically people would have to go into a location to watch a hearing. Now you saw a lot of these hearings going into uh, a, remote, a remote status. So we're, we've seen a, just a tremendous growth around that piece of it, which ties in citizens is in, in talking to our customers 
is that in remote hearings, even some states are actually mandating that going forward, they're gonna do that because they were getting more people attending these type of meetings. It's hard that if I have, if a, a hearing is at five o'clock on Wednesday and uh, kids have events or something happens and traffic's bad, I can't get there. I can't be participating in that, but I can click on, pop on my Zoom, go ahead and listen, watch what was going on. So they were seeing they were getting more citizen engagement that way. The other part was that around services, as you kind of mentioned, whether it be DMV and others, people started to look at where the complexities around that they were going with before and how they start to get those, keeping those services alive. Think about though is in this whole environment, the innovation before, if it was bad weather, traffic or other things that may impact citizen engagement. Now with this, this type of, these type of solutions like Zoom, what it allows you to do is be able to have that citizen engagement productivity out there and be able to make sure that as they're on an ongoing basis, as part of their whole, I'll call uh, citizen engagement uh, continuity as they go forward, no longer they'd be impacted by you know, bad weather uh, or other types of things. They can still be productive whether they're in the office or from home to provide those services. Have you heard from state and local or, or federal clients and customers who've said we've had more participation than ever before because it's been on Zoom? Or have you heard, have you seen any data that kind of shows just how much people kind of moved in that direction? I mean, partly we can blame the pandemic. We were bored. What else do we have to do? But tune into a county council meeting, right? But, but I think there's more to that. I think the ease of use is, is the other piece. Absolutely, Jason. So it, the easy use is there because people can just jump onto it. You could be eating dinner while you're watching this. And so again, getting back family time. But we have seen uh, local and uh, state local governments who have actually gone out and they have said their participation as a monitor is going up. So we're actually looking with some of them to do some uh, background checking, just kind of say, hey, how, how did you see? Where did it go up? What were the things, the feedback? So what they've done is people were kind of catapulted into this situation now they're kind of coming back and really uh going to their constituents and asking them what would be more helpful what would be uh what are the things you think we should improve on on this to actually make it better for them as, as they're going in and hopefully bring more people in to be participate in these in these uh, local events one of the things that you also talked about was this use of of online collaboration tools online video tools to drive kind of the, the bringing more people together that maybe normally wouldn't participate. And, and I'm not talking about like county council meetings, but for agencies specifically, as they had industry days, as an example, where you no longer had to fly in, but you could do it remotely. Where do you see the future going with these things? Is it something that, you know, we, we've crossed a, a line that we're never going to go back or, or what, 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 are some, what are you hearing? Yeah, I, I think it's, you know, it's, this is one of those things I wish I had a dollar for every time that someone asked me that question. Um, the interesting thing around this is that uh, we think it's going to be a hybrid environment. I mean, if you think about where we've watched, we're watching people transition, we've watched countries open up, we've watched uh, offices open up in the states, we've also watched them close back down because of you know the, uh, other types of things that were going on around the pandemic. So you know, it, it's one of those things, Jason. I think as people evolve through this they're going to really evaluate on a case-by-case -case basis how they're going to do that. Some areas may be more in-person, some hybrid, and it's also going to be that part that we kind of talked early on around what are the policies and procedures and how that agency is going to embrace the new workplace, uh, people-centric workplace 
uh, in their decisions. I think that's a good segue to the broader conversation about what the future of work looks like. We, I think all can agree it's going to be a hybrid environment. I think once you let the genie of uh, the bottle of telework, you know, you're not putting it back in. And I think agencies have to adjust to that hybrid environment. It's not just maybe even one day a week. I mean, you heard some agencies that want to go three, four days a week of, of telework. Where do you see and how are you helping agencies prepare for what that future work environment looks like? Yep. Well, you know, I, I'll take a couple of points here and I'll share what, you know, let's start with the problem and then kind of where, where, where we're transitioning to this and what they're looking at. So the, the challenges that the government agencies were faced with was end user complexity, you know, moving people home, they, they didn't know what to do. There was not a plan in place. Um, there was flexibility on security, how they did things, how they connected with different systems. Then they saw also that costly legacy, um, telephony systems on site that couldn't scale the telework. So equipment would just, that investments that the government had made, equipment just sat there and was not able to be used in the telework, at that time in the telework environment. You saw separate web meeting solutions that didn't scale for the new needs. Uh, you saw multiple layers of security having to be added on to where they were sending certain, hard, uh, certain solutions home that they had to put in place because there weren't security protocols or certain security uh, mechanisms in place. And then you also saw cases where someone may have one solution, but it's multiple platforms that were built on top of it that either don't integrate or provide scalability and flexibility. So we saw all those who became the fruition, of, became the fruition of, of what was going on around the government. Now, I say there's five things that really tie into um, I'll call what you look for in a successful communications collaboration solution, cloud-based. It's uh, ease of use. We talked about that earlier. That becomes the number one thing I've heard from every single customer. It's easy to use. I can turn it on. I've had it ingrained in the fabric of my personal life. I know how to use it. Uh, and I, I know it's secure. It's scalable. I can scale this. So we sent, we sent thousands of people home in a day. And we help people who are actually having not just scale, but to provide them town hall webinar meetings. How do they do this remotely? Event uh, you know, uh, help. All those things to be able to scale quickly across here. And that was a, one of the challenges that people were having before. We were able to innovate. So that innovation is being able to provide um, all the types of uh, you know, new feature sets, backgrounds. Uh, all in, in immersive rooms. So now you have these things we're working with now in Zoom where you can create a room where if you're in a classroom, you can have different faces sitting up. You can create different types of immersive things to make this even feel more of a hum the human interaction and human connection. The extensibility, and this becomes important because in our commercial version, we have I mean, uh, hundreds of, of integrations with different solutions. We are also working on our Zoom for government platform to actually get um, uh, integration with uh, other FedRAMP solutions. So think about the fact that not only we do this here, but can you, if I have a FedRAMP version uh, investment that, of another solution I use, and I can integrate two solutions together, that's automating the process, that's making it easier for them. We've seen this uh, in our healthcare side, we're integrated into our Epic solution. We have Zoom, so people, when telehealth took off, we went from hundreds of thousands hospitals went from hundreds of thousands to, to millions of interactions in a day. And that integration made such a huge impact even before the pandemic, but it really was exacerbated during the pandemic and be able to scale into that. And then we talk about security, whether it's end-to-end -end encryption, 
enhanced encryption around there, making sure that security solution is secure. Um, in a little bit, you know, we talk about security. We, we talked a little bit about FedRAMP. You know, we've uh, you know, Zoom has had a, our Zoom for Government platform, which has been impact level to moderate um, authorized since um, April of 2019 and covers web meetings, webinars, uh, Zoom rooms, conference connections, and Zoom phone. Um, it's been US based uh, data centers and uh, all, every, all communications resides in the US, those the US data centers. But what we, the innovation that we went through this past year was going from an impact level two from the needs of our customers that were asking to go to impact level four. So right now we just made an announcement that we were impact level four authorization to operate with conditions with the Air Force as we go through our provisional uh, uh, DISA uh, approvals. But it shows that, you know, uh, like us, like others, other, other uh, cloud-based solution vendors in the space, all focusing around the customer, what was centric, the customer needed this and asking us. Well, what's really important is you start to transition into the government, Fed, this Fed ramp. Now state, state governments are coming up with state ramp. State ramp is now following in a lot of the reciprocity around Fed ramp. So you can see as they start to do this authorization certifications, the security reports, all the things out that you're following all these, uh, these rules then states and groups will have to go out and do their own reviews. All of these have gone through a rigorous uh, uh, platform review across the board. I'm glad you used the word reciprocity when you brought up state ramp. I can only just see them coming up with their own approach that's you know kind of based on fed ramp, but not necessarily one for one. I, I certainly hope that they don't put you and all your uh, vendor colleagues in uh, th through the process again, because I know FedRAMP is, is while valuable, it can be time consuming and expensive and the like. And, and as you said, the, the Air Force's uh, uh, acceptance of, you said IL-4 is, is really important. Is the security piece, we don't hear much about it. I mean, I don't think a lot of agencies worry about the security around uh, Zoom or, or any other kind of, a, of many of these cloud um, applications. Do you think that there's been some, that the pandemic plus time has really enabled that that kind of uh, people are much more relaxed about it in a good way, not not relaxed in terms of rigorousness. I think you know people people did their due diligence, and you know there was difference of what was shared out in in the news versus what was reality. And I think the fact is that being able to to the due diligence, the SOC reports, all the things out there, and to go through this rigorous process to go to an impact level four to provide for for official use only or controlled unclassified information is pretty significant. So as, as we go through that and um, you know, the great partnership with the Air Force around that, uh, as we went through that process and then working with DISA allows us to do that. And, and really kind of adding Jason to your part on reciprocity, you know, the good news is, and we know federal and state ramp are working really closely together. So a lot of this reciprocity that they're going to look at using third-party authorizing organizations to make sure and validate that information so they can bring vendors on. This will be a, a, real, a real key to accelerate uh, state ramp and people getting on that and then being able to use that as a platform. I know there's a lot more to talk to, but unfortunately, Matt, we're out of time for today. So let me thank my guest. Matt Madrock is the head of US public sector at Zoom. Matt, thanks so much for taking the time today. Thank you, Jason, for your time. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to the discussion Innovation in Government, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search innovation. 
Thank you for listening to the Innovation and in Government Show, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Network. The entire discussion can be found on demand at federalnewsnetwork.com, keyword innovation.